what is up this is take it or leave it super excited to have you in again another great week another loaded week lots to talk about we've got super bowl sunday recap we've got uh, we got nba trade deadline stuff to go over uh, I've got a new segment I'm introducing today. One that won't do it every week, but it, it'll peek its head in here and there. Really excited about it. It'll be fun. Uh, like I said, lots to go over, so let's jump right in. We've all seen a time, uh, we maybe even have gone through a time where we've been dealing with someone much older than us, much wiser than us, with a lot more experience than us. And, you know, we're the new young kid. We have the new, young, upstart, innovative techniques, talents, whatever it may be, doesn't matter what it is. We can, let's take, it could be chess, it could be the stock market, it could be a sport, and typically you've got someone you look up to that's older than you, much older than you, wiser, a lot more experience, and they're just better at it. They can even tell you, specifically you see the movies or you've experienced it yourself, with chess, if you're playing chess, I, I used to play chess with my grandpa growing up, and I would always want to do something that, in my mind, it was aggressive, it was go, 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 and I wanted to do something, and he would say, ah, I wouldn't do that. You know, we've seen that in movies. I wouldn't do that. And what do we do? We do it anyways, because we know best. We're the young, hip, innovative one, and we do it, and we immediately regret it based on their response. And I used to get killed by my grandpa in chess until I finally started heeding what he was teaching me and telling me to do. And then it became a little bit even. It became kind of a good game. That's what we witnessed on Sunday in the Super Bowl. We witnessed the old kind of, oh, we're sick of this guy. His stuff can't possibly still work. Is he getting a little run down? They don't look as good this year. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, led Patriots against the new and innovative Sean McVay, the genius, and he is a genius. I really like the guy. Love his coaching method. Love his his strategy. I love his schemes. He's fantastic. But you can't beat experience, specifically in the Super Bowl. When you have two geniuses going at it, and one has the experience of Belichick, and one has the lack thereof experience for uh, that Sean McVay has. Experience is going to win that battle because they're both very smart. And I'm not ready to put McVay on Belichick's level yet, but but he is very smart. Experience is going to win every time, and it did this weekend. Belichick was the old guy sitting there saying, "I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that." And McVeigh and Goff did it all night, and Belichick stopped it with his defense, which we have to give a lot of credit to Brian Flores. He did a fantastic job with this unit, but this is Belichick's system. This is Belichick's. He's the brainchild of this, okay? Brian Flores is the one working with them in practice and the one inputting Belichick's schemes, But so, so he gets a lot of credit. But But Belichick is the mastermind behind all this. And he was the old guy saying to McVeigh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And McVeigh was getting stumped over and over. I want to look at some recap for this game 
actually just some stuff on, kind of on both sides. So for the Pats, what went well? Uh, obviously defense. They held the second-ranked offense all year and the second-ranked offense in the postseason to under 200 passing yards, 62 rushing yards, and three points. Four sacks, seven tackles for loss. I mean, the defense came to eat, and they didn't stop eating all night. It, 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 watching the Rams was almost hard. This, this offense that people around the world, well, around the country, tuned in for every Sunday to watch this high-powered offense was hard to watch because of how much they struggled. And I'm not even going to come on here like I have been and blame Jared Goff because I think, I think Jared Goff is an above-average quarterback with a potentially great head coach. I don't think he's on McVay's level, but he's above average, and he's he looks very good under McVay. He's one of those guys that's going to kind of play to his coach. Jeff Fisher, he was awful. Jeff Fisher is not a good coach. Jared Goff was awful under him. McVay is a very good coach. Goff looks very good under him. Apart from McVay, we, we don't know. We haven't seen him with an average coach, but that put aside, Goff, I'm not going to blame this game on Goff. Goff had nowhere to throw. I mean, the coverage was fantastic, and there was a few questionable non-calls, but it, it wasn't all night. The coverage was absolutely staggering. There was nowhere to throw. And so we can't blame this on God, and I'm not going to do it. And you know, I wouldn't mind doing it because I don't think he's on McVay's level, but I'm not going to do it. He did what he could with what he had, and I thought he played fine for what was there. This defense, this Patriots defense, wreaked Havoc. I mean, they were just, and they were down two or three starters. They lost two or three starters during the game. Patrick Chung is one of the emotional leaders, and he's a very good safety still. And he he went down and out. I mean, they were fantastic. You go over to the offensive side, Brady, I'm not going to sit here. You know, I kind of praise Brady a little bit. I like him a lot. I think he's the greatest ever. His work ethic is just absurd. He's a great, great as a person. I even read an article today that just made me like him more. It was just from former teammates just saying how good of a person he is. But he didn't play well. He didn't play particularly well. He played good enough. He had one turnover, and that was it. You know, kind of stopped at that, and he did what he needed to do. He made the throws he needed to make. I mean, his throw at the end of the game to Gronk, that won the game. It wasn't the Sony Michelle touchdown. The touchdown, obviously, they needed it. But the throw to Gronk to get him to the two or the three-yard line, that's one of those Brady throws. That's an all-time throw. That throw <laughs> was f- absolutely fantastic. It was on a dime. He couldn't have put it anywhere. If you put it over, it's picked off. If you put it under, it's picked off. It was perfect. The running game has been do- it had did what it's been doing for the past four, five, six weeks. Over 155 or over 150 yards rushing, and scored the lone touchdown of the game. Not for the Patriots of the game. And then Julian Edelman continues his fantastic playoff career with another 10 receptions for 141 yards. It, it was actually funny. I don't know if you saw this. And Dominic Sue had a quote where he said that he felt that they bottled up Julian Edelman. And then he was asked what are you talking about? Because obviously that's absurd for him to say. And he said, well, we kept him out of the end zone. Well, in a game where there's one total touchdown between both teams, yeah, you know, at that point you kind of have to look at receptions and yards. Ten, and I don't care 
about how many you could score 10 touchdowns between the two teams, 10 touchdowns on one team. If a player has 10 receptions for 141 yards, you didn't bottle him up. I mean, he ate your defense apart or ate your defense up. They, they were showing Marcus Peters trying to cover him. And Marcus Peters is no joke. He's a good cornerback. He could not stick with the dude. Julian Edelman was putting five to 10 yards in between him and Marcus Peters per route. He would do his move. Marcus Peters would bite, and he's kind of known to bite on on double moves, but they weren't double moves. They were just, he would plant a foot in the ground and be gone. I mean, he just, he almost reminds me a little of Brady in the fact that his route running has gotten better as he's gotten older. Now, he's not like old like Brady, but I mean, he just looked fantastic. Now, on the Rams side, I said I'm not going to blame it on Goff, and I'm not, but he had a really poorly thrown football that could have changed the outcome or at least changed the momentum of this ball game and it's a huge missed opportunity it was three minutes and 35 seconds left in the third quarter first and 10 from the new england 29 now on this play he had brandon cooks going up the seam and cooks got open almost immediately so it wasn't a tough read and he just missed the read. He didn't see it. Because I know he would have thrown it if he saw it, but he didn't see it. And you have to see that. Especially he's he's your most explosive receiver. And that area of the field, you got he's kind of got to be your first read. And he missed it, threw it late, and it got broken up by which McCordy twin was it? I think Jason McCordy. If he makes that throw on time. There's no coverage there. Jason McCourty had to sprint. He had to get on his horse to get there. I mean, that's a touchdown. Easy touchdown. I mean, Cooks have almost caught it with McCourty hitting him. He, he, he was going to catch that ball. That's a touchdown. That changes the momentum. And then, of course, later on, four minutes, 24 seconds left in the fourth. It's, I believe, 10-3 at this time. First and 10 from the New England 27. Goff had a great throw, beautiful throw, and Cooks almost made a fantastic catch because Gilmore hooked his arm, and it was subtle. It was so subtle, and it was on the inside, so no ref had a view on it. So I, I'm not even going to blame the ref. I'm not, I don't even know if I can call it a missed call, but it was because this is one of those things where if they were to allow – refs or I'm sorry coaches to review non-calls or called penalties this one would have been a penalty because he did hook his arm Cooks could not get the arm up so it was a missed PI call that would have changed the momentum as well because now it's 10-3 with I mean that's first and goal uh, from the 27 it might be half the distance so not quite but they're getting an opportunity at the end zone. They're getting a fresh set of downs. They're getting at least 15 yards closer to the end zone. I'm sorry, not 15 yards. They're getting half the distance, so about 12 yards, 13 yards closer to the end zone. First and 10, that changes the outcome. And the very next play after that missed call was the big interception by Gilmore, which was just good coverage, kind of a lack of effort from Cooks. It looked like he tried to come back to it, but he really didn't do much to come back to it. And a really, really poorly thrown football, poor decision by Goff, but it's not his fault. It was the first zero blitz. Uh, it, it was just the first kind of all-out blitz that the Patriots did all game. And they just Brian Flores called it at the perfect time. 
he called it, you know, second down and 10. They went right back to the same play they went to the first time, which they where they almost had the touchdown. And Goff, he just threw it up. He, he went for it, and it was just not the right decision. He couldn't step into it because of the, the blitz. Come, I forget who was coming. It might have been Hightower. I'm not 100% sure, but whoever was coming, it was in his face. He couldn't step up because of it, didn't get a good ball off, and picked off. That's game. So, and, and on, the, on the defensive side for the Rams, they played well. They gave up a lot of yards, but it was the perfect bend-don't-break defense, which we've heard a lot about in the NFL. And I hate the bend-don't-break defense because eventually it's going to break. I'd, I'd rather be, you know, a little bit more brittle, I guess. Not not brittle, that's not the right word, but I'd rather be so locked down that, you know, you, you might give up a big play here and there than just let a team march up and down the field getting chances at field goals. But, I mean, they, they – Played it well. They only allowed 13 points, and that was the number one playoff offense. Who was? I mean, they were averaging well over 30 points a game, 31 points a game, 30 points a game in the playoffs. The Patriots were, and they held them to 13 points. So the defense. I feel bad for Aaron Donald and that crew to sit back and say, "Man, we held Tom Brady to 13 points, none of which he scored." And our offense just couldn't get it done. And, and that's that was the prized possession of this team. That is the, the bright spot of this Rams team is their offense, and they couldn't get it done. Which actually reminds me, I, I saw an insane stat. The past, the top, the, the, the Rams were um, one of the top 11 offenses in history. None of those offenses have won a Super Bowl. If you remember, I, I believe the number one offense in history was the Denver Broncos a few years back when they played the, the Seattle Seahawks, and they got crushed by one of the great defenses that we've seen. So, you know, I mean, this great defense, it, just yet again, they say defense wins championships, and it, it proves tr- true time and time again. And we saw it again, the Super Bowl. I thought it was a fantastic Super Bowl. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm sick and tired of hearing how boring it was because – I get it. There wasn't fireworks. There wasn't a lot of scoring. It wasn't Rams, Chiefs. But I'm a defensive guy. I coach Little League, and I coach defense, and I love defense. So to watch that game, two completely different defenses, one not giving up anything, just completely stingy, and one playing the perfect, just putting on the perfect display of bend, don't break, just letting the Patriots gain here, gain here, gain here, punt, gain here, gain here, gain here, miss field goal, gain here, gain here, gain here. Field goal, gain here, gain here, gain, punt. I mean, it was just, it was. I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. 13-3, sixth championship for the Patriots. And the first of what I think will be a few Super Bowl trips for this Rams team. I, I really like McVay and what he's doing. Before we get off this subject, I do want to talk about the Patriots one more time. This isn't necessarily a praise moment. I know Patriots haters are probably sick of hearing me talk about the Patriots. I'm sick of me talking about the Patriots because I freaking want to hate them so bad, being a Dolphin fan. But I, I just can't. I can't hate what they do. They're they're great. But I'm sick of hearing me talk about it. I'm kind of ready for the for the football season to be over, so I can stop talking about this garbage. Anyways, I don't think that I ever thought once this year. I was talking to uh, someone who will be familiar to you, listeners, Easton. We were watching the game together, had a lot of people over, 
And I looked at him, I said, I don't think I've ever thought, nor anybody else besides maybe Patriots fans and the Patriots themselves, I don't think I've ever thought once this year, the Patriots are the best team in football. I don't. I never thought they looked the best. They had flaws everywhere until the playoffs. They go from fifth in offense in the regular season, which is good. I mean, that's that's fantastic. That's great. So first in the playoffs. And mind you, you might say, well, a lot of teams are not in the playoffs to, to kind of compare against. Well, the number one and number two offenses were in the playoffs. The Patriots were number one in the playoffs. Their defense went from 21st in the league to second in the league in the playoffs. Just being completely stingy. They looked night and day different. And that, that's what this team does. I don't know if they if they purposefully do that where they not not that they don't try to perform, but if they're in some way holding back, I can't see Belichick being that type of coach, but it almost looks that way sometimes. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And Brady, though he wasn't great in the playoffs, he wasn't bad either. Yards mean a lot, especially in the playoffs. And he averaged 317 throughout the playoffs. He only had two touchdowns and three picks, and that's not good. But he was also 67, over 67% completion percentage. So, I mean, that's good in the playoffs, especially with a defense playing like that and a running game like that. You don't really need a lot of touchdowns. He didn't have a lot of picks. Three is not bad for over the course of three games. It's not terrible. You, you know, it's one a game. I think that's actually what he threw, one a game. No, I'm sorry, he threw two and one and, and one in the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, two touchdowns could be better, but with the, you know, with the running game and the defense playing how they did, that it, it's not terrible. He was fine. And still, we doubt them. Okay, I'm looking everywhere, and I see, I believe it's ESPN's power rankings out, the way too early power rankings for next season. Patriots are number four. They just won their sixth Super Bowl, not getting, and people want to make fun of them acting like they're underdogs. We made them the underdogs. Everybody made them the underdogs. Because nobody, for the most part, believed that they would beat the Rams. I'm seeing analysts everywhere, NFL Network, ESPN, Rams will win this game. Rams will win this game. Rams will win this game. They're too good, too talented. And here the Patriots are. And then here we go again. Next year's way too early power rankings have the Patriots at number four. We'll see about that. All right, let's bounce over to the NBA. You see how I did that? Bounce like basketball. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of trades going on, a lot of movement in the NBA. Knicks and Mavericks executed a trade, which which took me a little bit of time to look at because at first I couldn't really tell just looking at the players. I didn't, I obviously I know who all these players are, but I I couldn't really make up my mind on who was the winner, who was the loser. I still might be a little little unsure about it, but it was Kristaps Porzingis, Courtney Lee, and Tim Hardaway Jr. from the Knicks going to the Mavericks for Wesley Matthews, Dennis Smith Jr. and DeAndre Jordan. After careful consideration at first, my first thought was, wow, why are Knicks fans upset? I think they kind of won this trade. Porzingis can't stay healthy. He's very good, but he can't stay healthy. Courtney Lee's, eh, not great. And Tim Hardaway Jr., he's a good player. I mean, I'm not saying he's better than Porzingis, but he stays healthier more than Porzingis, and he's a very solid player. I, li- I like Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, but I thought, you know, you, you got rid of this huge contract in Porzingis uh, that's you know only going to get bigger because of he, he's very talented. He's never healthy. 
and you picked up, you know, Wesley Matthew, Matthew, solid player. Dennis Smith Jr., very, very good young player, exciting to watch. And DeAndre Jordan, who's still an elite rim defender um, around the rim. He, he shoots like 55 60%, so, I mean, obviously he's dunking it all the time. But um, I, I didn't think it was a bad bad deal for the Knicks. And then I looked into it, and I was like, you know what? Let's take it for neither team. This wasn't like a, a huge blockbuster trade, like someone's going to come in and change the team immediately because, obviously, Porzingis is hurt a lot and he needs to get healthy, and then really nobody on the other end is a game-changer like Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, and DeAndre Jordan. None of them are game-changers. So I had to think, this trade really needs to get looked at in the light of potential. Which side of this one, as far as potential goes? And the Mavericks won in a landslide, in my opinion. You're getting Porzingis, who, let's just assume he gets healthy and stays healthy, is an absurd freak talent. Seven foot three, can move, can dribble, can shoot, can dunk, can pass. He can do it all. The only thing he can't do is run a four three forty. Okay, because he's pretty freaking slow because he's seven foot three. But he can do it all. He can move he's a very smooth ball handler. He can pass, he can shoot, and he can defend. Okay, now Courtney Lee, again, I'm to to me that's just kind of he's just a piece he's not really he's a bench guy that can come in and relieve something he's he's a, a two that's not gonna necessarily hurt you by being on the court but he's not gonna he's he's kind of passes that he's just one of those vets you know just a solid vet and Tim Hardaway Jr. who's still a young up and I, I think he's still on the rise he's a, he's a very good player and so they're all gonna go join the phenom that is Luka Doncic I mean We'll talk more about him later. Love that kid. 19 years old. It's absolutely absurd. I mean, that Tim Hardaway Jr. and uh, Chris Porzingis and Luka Doncic, if they can all stay healthy and continue to grow, if Tim Hardaway can kind of, obviously he's kind of about to his ceiling. He's been in the league long enough. And Chris Porzingis is still trying to get to his ceiling. And Luka Doncic will get better. He is already fantastic. He will continue to get better. He's going to be a, Dare I say, I think he'll be a top five player in this league at some point. He he is really good, if not top ten. Top five might be a, might be a little high. He will be a top ten player in this league at some point. So I think this trade actually really, really works for the Mavericks. I think that's going to be a really nice-looking squad in a couple years, assuming Porzingis gets healthy and stays healthy. On the other end, let's assume he doesn't. The Knicks still didn't get a ton. You know, and it's worth the risk for the Mavericks. So, at worst for the Mavericks, they didn't necessarily lose. Or if they did, if if the Knicks do win that trade, it's not going to be by a landslide. And if the best case scenario is they absolutely robbed the Knicks, which no one would be surprised about because the Knicks are just a dumpster fire. Uh, we're going to stick with the NBA, continue over to the Lakers and Pelicans. Absolutely absurd um, trade offers from the Lakers, which were absurdly denied by the Pelicans. So uh, the last that I saw, the Lakers offered, and we talked about the show last week, I thought it was going to take about probably about Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, maybe, and then Kuzma, Hart. It'd be nice to keep Kuzma, but probably would take Kuzma, um, and then a pick, maybe two. They wanted, They offered their final, as far as I know, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, 
Josh Hart, I can't say his first name, Zubats, and then two first-rounders. And the Pelicans were like, "Mm, okay, okay, I like it. I like it. Throw in four more picks. How about that? Excuse me? What? (laughs) Are you kidding me? What are you doing? I mean, you're trying to get something for this guy, and I get in their mind they could be, and I heard this today, I couldn't believe this, and if this is the truth, then the Pelicans are diabolical, and I will almost not mind the fact that they rejected this offer and kind of screwed over the Lakers because it's kind of crazy. I heard that it's rumored that the Pelicans only made Anthony Davis seem available to the Lakers so that they would do exactly this and try to trade everybody so it would sabotage their young core because now obviously we can see them playing they don't look right and kind of we see everybody kind of kind of avoiding LeBron it's just awkward it doesn't feel like there's good chemistry there that they were trying to sabotage the young Lakers for tampering with Anthony Davis if that's the case bravo pelicans in my opinion the worst gm one of the worst franchises in the league just pulled one over on the lakers and that that raises them a couple notches in my book moving on anyways if if they're not just trying to do that if they just truly rejected this offer because they are waiting for the celtics to be able to trade for Anthony Davis. Let's think about that because why first why would they want to trade with the Celtics? Well, they would probably think that the Celtics have better commodities to trade to to to, to gain. Okay? Uh yeah, that that would seem about right. Off off the top of my head, you think, yeah, sure. That that makes sense. You know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Scary Terry. They got some commodities over there. But think about it closer. Are we 100% sure that Jalen Brown being cultivated and and mentored and coached by Brad Stevens and Jason Tatum, same thing, being cultivated, coached, mentored by Brad Stevens, are we sure, and Brad Stevens, mind you, is arguably the best coach in the league, arguably currently the best coach in the league. He is a genius. He, he's just, I know I say the word genius a lot, but he is. He's a genius. He's he's a really good coach. Are we sure that those two players are better than, say, Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma, who have been under, for their two years in the league, Luke Walton? who we, I won't say he's terrible, but he doesn't look great, and he doesn't appear to be getting better. And at, let's say, at best, we don't know if he's a good coach. We don't really know how he's going to do and how he's going to grow and, and if he's cultivating these guys you know, correctly. So let's look at them under Luke Walton, who we know definitely know, we can say for a fact, is not as good coach as Brad Stevens. We know that. But now we don't even know if he's a good coach. Let's see what they've done under Luke Walton. Well, Ball, in his two years, he's averaging 10 points, 6.5 assists, and 6.2 rebounds. Not great on the scoring side. Really good on the assists and the rebounds. I mean, that's that's good, and he, and he's a very good defender. Lonzo Ball's a really he's long, he's f- fast, he's a good defender. Okay, now this season he's he's under his his average for points. 
He's not doing. He's kind of regressed a little bit this year. Nine point nine points per game, so right there at ten, five and a half assists, five and a half rebounds. So he's regressed a little bit, but but that's under Luke Walton, and that's under the changes with LeBron. That's under not knowing am I starter, am I a bench player, am I starter, am I a bench player. So there's a lot of transitioning going on there. So he's kind of regressed a little bit, but those are his stats. Not bad. They're formidable. Formidable. Let's look at Kyle, Kyle Kuzma. In his two years, 17.1 points per game, 2.1 assists, and 6 rebounds. This season, he's gotten better. 18 points, a little bit better. 18.6 points per game, 2.5 assists, and almost 6 rebounds. Okay, so he's gotten a little better under Luke Walton. And now let's look at Jalen Brown. This is going to be surprising, I think. In Jalen Brown's three years, 10.9 points, 1.2 assists, and 3.9 rebounds. Um, Lonzo Ball's putting up better stats than Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown was supposed to grow. He looked really good a year ago, and he was supposed to get even better this year. Lonzo Ball looks better than Jalen Brown. Maybe not on the eye test because of how good Brad Stevens runs his basketball team. But statistically, Lonzo Ball is better than Jalen Brown. Let's go to Jason Tatum. Two years, he's averaging 15 points per game, 1.7 assists, and 5.5 rebounds. Kuzma's right there with him. Okay? Kuzma's right there with him for his career. And he's actually better as far as scoring goes, better as far as assists goes, and better as far as rebounds go in his two years compared to Jason Tatum's two years. And that's Jason Tatum under the best coach in the league, possibly, arguably, and Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball under, we don't know, what? We don't know, Luke Walton. So that's just my thing. Do the Pelicans know for a fact that they are going to wait on the Celtics and get the best commodities? Or did they just pass up two commodities and more? Obviously, Josh Hart, Zubats, and Brandon Ingram, I didn't even mention. Did they just pass up really good commodities? I'm taking the latter. I think they missed their opportunity. I think they're going to regret this, and it's going to bite them in the butt. Before we switch over from the NBA, I want to throw in one really quick thing. I am a Magic fan, so I have to make fun of them a little bit. We acquired Marco Fultz. We send... Uh, we sent Jonathan Simmons and a first and a second round pick for Marco Fultz, so to Philly. Um, <laughs> we traded a guy who looked pretty good with San Antonio in spurts and who has also looked pretty good with us in spurts. By us, I mean the Magic. We sent him in a first and second round pick for a guy who appears to have completely forgotten how to play basketball. Fantastic. <laughs> you know the term, oh, he's regressed this year. Well, it appears Markel Fultz regressed about 10 years, maybe 15. And we traded a player that I'm not going to argue he's a good player, He's a he's a project. Jonathan Simmons has spurts where he looks really good, but he's a project. And a first and second round pick for Markel Fultz. Ugh. Enough said. 
Go Magic. All right. I'm excited for this next segment. It's a new one. Like I said earlier, we're not going to do it every week, but I do want to do it. Uh, I want to do it here and there, maybe every other episode. I think it's a fun one. We'll see how it goes. This is called On Board or Overboard. Get it? Like, I'm on board with that. That's basically the, the gist. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a statement, and I'm going to let you know I'm on board. I'm with that. Or mm, I'm jumping overboard, abandon ship, don't like that. Let's slow down. So we're going to start with the first statement of on board or overboard. This is going to be Anthony Davis is worth the huge trade offer that the Lakers attempted to make. Overboard. I'm jumping ship without a life raft. I'm getting off that. I, I don't believe so. And people could call me crazy. Anthony Davis, lover. He's a he's a great player. He's a freak. Very good. Very good player. Top 10 in the league. He ain't worth it. Okay. And this is why I don't believe so. LeBron James overcame a very bad organization. Brought them to a bunch of finals and won one in Cleveland possibly the worst organization in the history of the NBA. Shaquille O'Neal overcame an atrocious organization in the Orlando Magic. He made them relevant. Then he left, ditched us. Don't blame him. Michael Jordan overcame a pretty bad organization in the Chicago Bills. Not a winning culture until he showed up. He overcame the mediocrity and the dysfunction. And we all know what he did. For goodness sakes, Dwight Howard, who has kind of been the laughing stock of the league for the past few years, he overcame dysfunction in Orlando. Brought him to a championship. Didn't win. Kind of got wrecked by the Lakers. But got him there nonetheless. Made them relevant for, the, for a time. Superman. Dunk contest. 2020 games. And that's 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 Dwight Howard we're talking about. I don't think we'd ever say Dwight Howard is as good or maybe even in his prime was as good as Anthony Davis is now. Anthony Davis is in a crappy organization. And what? They made the playoffs a couple times? He he won one playoff series in his 6 years in the league. And in oh, but he's worth Five, six, seven, I've heard as many as seven players and possibly four to six picks? No. No, that's why I tend to believe that they were pulling the Lakers' leg just to get back at them. That's it. I'm overboard on that. Second one, Julian Edelman has done enough. I've been seeing this a lot since the Super Bowl. Julian Edelman has done enough to be considered for the Hall of Fame. Uh, Again, I'm jumping overboard head first. Without a life raft. I ain't getting a boat. I ain't getting a dinghy. We out. I'm diving in. We out. And let me explain why. I like Julian. I love the way he plays. I love his route running. He just seems like a cool guy. You hear him on mic'd up and he just sounds hilarious. He sounds like a nice guy. But let's slow down. His stats, if he were if he were to retire right now and we really put him in the or had that conversation of let's put Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame. 
his stats would be laughable. Absolutely laughable. He, in the playoffs, looks fantastic. Okay, He's second in receptions behind Jerry Rice, and he's second in yards behind Jerry Rice in the playoffs. That's pretty good. But that's where it stops. Edelman is a very good player. He's a very good role player, skill player. Anybody would love to have his style of play, his his position, and his caliber of talent on their team. But let's take it. So playoffs, he's, he's fantastic. Second in both major categories, receptions and yards, both second behind uh, Jerry Rice. In the regular season, though, he's 148th in receptions and 248th in yards as far as his career goes in the regular season. So you, you start comparing that to guys in the Hall of Fame, ain't going to fly, man. I'm overboard. I'm. That's not a discussion. Maybe if he continues to play in five, for five, six, seven years, we can have that discussion, and it's possible. And, and if he does in that, if he does play that long and they go to a couple more Super Bowls, that's possible. Right now, though, we, we got to get off that. Number three, Tennessee is the number one college basketball team in the country right now. A lot of overboards here <laughs> uh, as far as this whole segment. I'm gone. <laughs> it's like the Titanic. I probably shouldn't make this joke. But like Tennessee being number one is the glacier. I'm getting, I'm off. I'm gone. I'm getting out of here. No, man. They're not number one in the country. They have the 65th. Strength, uh, ranked strength of schedule, okay, and they're they're looking good. Only one loss, they look good. They're gonna get a high seed in 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 March Madness, but I mean they lost to a reeling Kansas team, who we all know is always a little overrated. Kansas is is a good team, but they're always a little overrated. Lost to Kansas, they beat the they beat Gonzaga. Good for you. Congrats. That's going to be their national championship. That's going to be their March Madness victory because, they, honestly, I think they're an early out in, in March Madness. Maybe not re- the first round. I could easily see them losing in the second, though. Uh, not on board with them. Um, I just don't say I, they're not number one. And the reason, my biggest argument for them not being the best team in college basketball, I don't care how many losses. They, I know they only – Duke has two losses, okay, so one more than Tennessee – they could have five losses at this point. I don't care. They have the most talented roster. That's the best basketball team in the country. When they want to turn it on, when they, if they decide, think about it. They've been so hyped up in the media. They've been so hyped up with these three guys. I mean, they have fantastic players everywhere. But this Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, and R.J. Barrett, those three freaks. I mean, they're Zion, obviously, the biggest freak of all of them. He is just so good. I saw something. He's bigger than Rob Gronkowski. He's like 18. And he can fly like like King James. He, he flies like LeBron. The dude can play. And Cam Reddish and, and R.J. Barrett might still go higher than him in the draft. I, I, all three of them may go top five. I mean, so think about it. They're hyped up. They've got these big three. Everyone's giving them their best effort. So Syracuse and Gonzaga both beat them in close games. Everybody's giving this team their best effort. Ain't not everyone's giving Tennessee their best effort. Maybe now that they're on top, but I mean they're just they're not, man. I don't buy it. I'm out. I'm overboard. 
don't like it. Looking forward to Saturday's game between Duke and Virginia, though. Tune in for that. Number four out of five, if I could get to it, Sean McVay's stock took a hit as a coach for the Super Bowl loss. You guessed it. We've already had three. Why not four? I'm jumping overboard. I'm out. I'm in the water. I'm swimming for my life. McVay's a genius. He's good at what he does. He can coach. Look what he's done with this team. Under Jeff Fisher, they were a mess. They Under Jeff Fisher, when, when they got rid of him, they were kind of bringing Sean McVay in. Not to, not to jumpstart it. They were bringing him as a young guy. Let's take a shot. Maybe rebuild a little bit. Boom. Winning season. Two years in, Super Bowl. Jared Goff, who I think is a, is an above-average quarterback, looks like an all pro, a perennial all-pro under Jer, uh, under Sean McVay. Okay, this is going to be his first Super Bowl of a few. It might not be his for his last loss, but he's going to make it to a few Super Bowls. He'll win a few. I th- I think he'll win one or two. Uh, it just depends on if they can reload. I know they're they're kind of they kind of went all in on this roster. But if he's the coach that I think he is, in it, and I do think he could potentially get to that Belichick, um, that Belichick kind of tier or class at some point, then he can kind of take guys and just make them better. He doesn't need to go in all, all in on a roster. I think the fact that they went all in definitely helped him in his first couple of years. But I, I think he's going to be that type of coach to elevate others. Uh, so I'm overboard. His stock didn't take a hit. He's great. People are still gonna gonna look for coaches like him in the future. And last but not least, Luka Doncic was snubbed on the All-Star game. He did not make it 100%. I'm on board with that. I'm on that boat, and I, I'll, I, will, I will sail that boat. Okay? I'm all in on that. He, the kid's 19 years old. He's one of the most electric players in the league already to watch on what was a boring, boring Mavericks team for the past few years. I love Dirk, and I'm so sorry to say that about his team, but he's, I mean, he's retired. He's probably going to be done after this season. And, I mean, he's a fantastic career, possibly top 50 of all time. But this team has been boring until Luka Doncic got there. Got there. He is so electric, so fun to watch, dropping t- over 20 points per game in his first season, five and a half assists, seven, a little over seven rebounds. And he didn't make it, and Dirk did. Dirk is in the All-Star game. <laughs> I know they did it with for him and for Dwayne Wade to be, you know, they're kind of on their way out. Let's give him one last hoorah, but come on, man. This kid deserved a spot, and, and I'm a little upset that he didn't, especially because this is my big take of the day. This kid, Luka Doncic, has a step back that can challenge James Harden's, bro. I said it. His step back generates like five to six feet of space every time. And it it appears when I watch it, when I slow it down, it that he doesn't travel when he does it like Harden does. I said it. I'm sorry. It appears that Harden travels a lot. And when Luka does it, it looks smooth. But James Harden's still better than Way better than Luke. Uh, James Harden is, is nasty. All right. Last minute addition to this episode. I had to do it. We've been having this argument for two or three days now, 
and I just I need to unleash it into the world. We're bringing back Easton Graham. What's up? What's when up? I what's up? You Easton you Graham, did, you did, and because it. you're. <laughs> I'm leaving this in. I don't even care. His All right, it's handle Easton is Graham. Easty Graham. Yeah, Easty Graham. Get it right, bro. But his name is Easton Gray. <laughs> That's it. That, those are both uh, both facts. There, Easty Graham, Easton Gray. So, but his name is not Easton Graham. Anyways. We have been having an argument, Easton and I. Uh, more of a very lively discussion. Yeah, it's arguments not bad because it it's hasn't been it hasn't been hostile in any way. No, it's been a really good debate. He's had points that I've been like, mm, yeah, and he and I've had a couple points that he's been like, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, <laughs> just like that. That was crazy how accurate that sounded. The debate is, and I know this is a sports podcast, but we're I don't care. We're gonna do this. Pretty often, sometimes we're I mean, gonna we bring stuff in that's sports not sports related. Technically, it could be. Uh, no, it let's could. make it instead of what we're arguing about or or debating about. Mm-hmm. We should just make them. De- we should have the debate of them playing football against each oh, other. Oh, okay. Oh that no, boxing. Yeah, no, you're right. Like boxing. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Uh, that's beyond the, beside the point. We have been debating about some more realistic everyday things. Yeah, such and we as thought it was important to bring it. To my viewers' attention, uh, it's rumored that there is a movie being made about this, and so we got in the debate about who would win in a fight. All bets off, all rules aside, between Godzilla and King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds ridiculous at first, but if you start digging into some of this information... Like, um, so, someone said that uh, the the latest King Kong movie, that King Kong was, like, a really young King Kong, and he's like supposed to grow... Like a toddler or, yeah, like, s- infant? Something, or? Yeah, something like that. The, the young young King Kong, he's supposed to grow to five times that size. Yeah. So, I mean... That's the first argument that kind of got me thinking, because his most recent King Kong was big. So, just to preface, I wholly believe that Godzilla would whip King Kong's butt insert whatever word you want there i in easton i i i see a high potential for king kong winning i i believe it definitely depends on the location if it's anywhere in the water king kong is dead in a matter of milliseconds but if it's if it's anywhere on land and king kong's speed comes into factor it could definitely change things king uh, king kong is is a giant ape and he's quick and he's got good movements godzilla is so slow and every single thing that you watch godzilla in every movie you've seen him in except for when he's in the water he travels pretty quickly but besides that he's always just doing the slow walk and stomp and like oh it's inevitable death walking our way but but my argument was he might be slow but he's got this like like freaking it's not even in like fire breath it's, it's like, like this energy beam or energy something. beam that he can shoot and that ain't slow no you're right that it's junk not. is like like sniping and fortnite is well that's pretty slow <laughs> but, is that is that a constant is it a constant beam or is it just one shot it i'll just be honest pew, pew, i'm not or the, is it like okay you know, the truth it, comes out it all depends there's so much so much ambiguity here truth comes out i really don't know anything about godzilla i haven't seen (laughs) any of the three four movies i just know i see these billboards or 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 what do they call them the the, like the picture they use like the poster the the movie poster i don't know what they call them the box office poster 
of this giant dinosaur slash dragon thing with giant spikes on its back towering over skyscrapers, right? Yeah, which is usually based in Tokyo. And which usually we discovered in Tokyo. last night that Ta- Tokyo the one was in San Francisco. The the second largest uh second largest building is in Tokyo. Or so. Skyscraper, yeah. yeah. So so he is towering over these things, towering over the second largest skyscraper, whereas King Kong had to climb to the top of one that comparatively is not very big, being the Empire State Building. Right. And so that size difference to me, yeah, and it, in some fights, size may not have a factor. But that big of a size difference, I don't even know if that five times the size King Kong would would be enough. I don't know. See, I don't that's think where, so. That's where I think his other qualities come into effect. That dude is super freaking strong. Okay, yeah. He's a giant gorilla. And he's got this speed to him. If he like like I said when our previous argument, if he gets behind Godzilla, I don't think he stands a chance. Godzilla can't turn around fast enough. And I don't know really know what Godzilla's whole back situation looks like, but I'm sure he's he's got some weak weak spots, you know. Maybe he climbs over to the back of the head and starts punching him in the back of the head. What can Godzilla do? He can't reach around and grab him off of his head and throw him. He can't do anything. He can well, fall he could, backwards, remember, he can you try thought to tuck and roll. You thought he for, at first that he had like T-Rex arms and then we looked at more pictures and and I don't think any version he has T-Rex arms. So he's got they're not long by yeah, any means. They're, they're definitely not your your typical length arms, but it, it's it's in between uh T-Rex Like they and might a be long enough to be able to reach back there. Yeah, but again, you, he, he is slow. His ear. He is slow, so I don't know. I don't know, man. I just I, the <sighs> And usually, like, I'm on the side of the gorilla with that. A lot of people were like, grizzly bear or bear would beat the gorilla. I'm kind of on the side of the gorilla in that argument. You better be, too, because you're arguing. If if that's the case, if it's a grizzly bear or a gorilla, I would go gorilla. And I know grizzly bears are bigger, but gorillas are, those things are ruthless, bro. I would would think if there is a a gorilla who didn't have a mindset but to kill, I mean, it's it's untouchable. Yeah, and I feel like grizzly bears aren't dumb, but, like, Gorillas are smart, are really smart. Yeah. Too. All right, we're getting on another yeah. subject, right. but we're, we're we agree on yeah, that. Back one. to we King Kong on beating that. up Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> the serious, the serious argument, yeah. or, or I mean, completely serious discussions completely, that we uh, need to non-fictional. have. Oh my gosh! Presenting with one hundred percent facts. So, so your argument, you had mentioned like you think in a jungle. King oh, Kong, King Kong for sure. You know, I the energy hear... beam may destroy some parts of the jungle, but he'd be able to move and. Uh, be uh, avoiding any sort of attack he he's quick he's agile i think the speed factor would definitely help him in this fight yeah i don't know my argument for that would just be the beam i think he could destroy so much so fast that in my opinion the only and i know you disagree with this but the only way king kong wins is just by not dying so just run away. But we don't know King Kong's strength either. He could he could dodge all his energy beam or whatever and maybe punch him in the kneecap sideways and break a leg and King Kong comes tumbling down. But that's when I... Oh, you you got, don't yeah, know got King got, Kong's so, strength. So I'm, I'm picturing... That's the thing, though. So say... So he has to climb. So he can... He, can, he climbs and Empire State Building still looked kind of big comparatively to him. So he climbs to the top. Whereas King Kong, the Empire State, or I'm sorry, Godzilla, the Empire State Building, we could we could say is He'd probably the size it. of a, of his leg. If Not. he if he's towering over these other huge skyscrapers, 
it's probably close, probably maybe a little bigger than than Godzilla's leg. I I would hope that the Empire State Building is taller than that, but I mean, I it's all ambiguity at this point. I, so I so my argument for that was let's just say, let's say it's not. Let's say it's it's let's say it's taller than his leg, but it's it's maybe close. Okay. I have trouble seeing something as small as King Kong breaking a kneecap. But you don't know how strong <laughs> you know how strong gorillas are now at their own size. Yeah. Okay, King Kong was bigger than a normal gorilla. Remember how jacked then, that Godzilla looked though? And then he don't skip leg day, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean carrying around all that body weight. But you I call mean, him fat now, man. <laughs> no, I mean muscle mass is definitely uh, heavy as well. Oh, but man. I don't know. We we'd have to. And I said this too. We're throwing this one out to the listeners. We want we want to vote. We want to vote. King Kong, Godzilla. Think of all the different factors. But here, Britt, I'll give you the fact that we're we're going to fight on land because in water it's it's too easy. It's oh no doubt, I, I wouldn't do that without any questions. I so wouldn't do that. You you pick anywhere on land, and we'll leave it up to the listeners to to vote on this. They both like cities. Okay. They both like big cities. Yep. Tokyo and New York. Okay. Are we gonna have a neutral uh, location? That's what I'm thinking. We can't okay. do one or the other. Okay. Um. All right. So I'll I'll narrow it down, but you you can pick this. Right. I would say. Give me three cities. I'll say L.A. Okay. Dallas is big. Okay. Oh, Atlanta. Okay, so three American cities. All right. Hotland. Can... Oh yeah, that's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 We'll say L- we'll take out L.A. because L.A. is. Big population wise, it's not yeah. a huge city though. So we'll say Dallas, Hotlanta, and Berlin's a pretty big city. Sure. Yeah. Okay. It's the first one that came to mind. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, and with those... I take it back, London. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's it. Final um, answer. London. Okay. Dallas. Hotlanta. Okay. Well, I'm gonna just throw Atla- uh, Atlanta as. Close to the top ones, you know, because there's a Super Bowl over there. You know, it, it's a okay. place for a big event. Oh, sports podcast. Yeah, sports podcast. Atlanta. Place for a big event. Atlanta. Okay. Uh, I want to toss London out of the equation right now. It's too close to water. There's too much opportunity for Godzilla to get an upper hand there. So I'm getting that out of there because I want Fine. King Kong to win. And uh, Dallas wouldn't be a bad spot. Um, you know, just crush the Cowboys Stadium. Uh, sports. Sports podcast. Sports podcast and... They're irrelevant sports-wise. So, does that leave us with the Super Bowl location? I, I mean... I, we, I'm just kidding. The Cowboys are on their way. They look good. And, and the Mavs <laughs> have some young stars now. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think playing... Or, or not playing, fighting in Dallas <laughs> <laughs> would not be fair, you know, because... Des- Super Bowl Des- 54. Footballs at, at Godzilla would help King Kong. That's an unfair fight, so... I would have to say Atlanta. You know, went up the Super Bowl. Just happened. Okay, big talks Atlanta. Everyone, let's. Everyone's still there. All right, I'm they gonna make show. it. I'm gonna make it for the Twitter. Uh, at take it, leave it, bh. I'm gonna make the poll. If it's embarrassing and nobody votes, I don't care. Uh, if you don't That's vote fine. for King Kong, I'll be upset. Just vote for who. Don't listen to him. You can vote for King Kong. I won't be upset at you, but just. Vote for who your heart, who your heart truly believes in. <laughs> King Kong. Dang it! It would be King Kong because he's a lot nicer than Godzilla. 
and and he's he's a smart he's a smart character. How do we like, know? What how does do Godzilla know? Godzilla is not smart. The the only upper hand I can see in in mental capacity is all King Kong or not all King Kong. Uh, all Godzilla knows is destruction. That's all he knows. That's his exactly. He's bred to kill. Yeah, but King uh, Kong might feel bad and give up. I mean, he did fall in love. He did. He might fall in love with Godzilla. Oh, that. It's a possibility, but unlikely. But if he falls in love and he has to defend his love against Godzilla, ooh, yeah, ooh. some serious passion in this fight. You, you make this a rom com. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know where the comedy. No, so it wouldn't be comedy. <laughs> It'd be rom action, sure. romantic action. <laughs> That's a new category out there for you folks. Um, I might switch sides because yeah. I am always on the side of love and. With uh, King Kong's ability to think like monkeys and able to operate, would he find a weapon and use a weapon in this case? Still, what weapon? What what beat Godzilla? I haven't seen the movie. We should watch. (laughs) We should watch the movies and then come back and redo this discussion. Yeah, but not like still air this one, but then read like see. All right, vote on the poll. Watched it. Vote on the poll. What if we watched all of them again and then we like totally flipped? And like, I'd be Godzilla, you'd be King Kong. Yeah, that'd be wild. Yeah, unlikely though. King Anyways, Kong all the way. <laughs> that's what we got. Let's hear what you have to say, listeners. Get on it. Yeah, I'll be first vote, King Kong. That's all I got today. We wrapping it up. We're all done. I had a blast. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, please do me a favor. Hit us up uh, at Take It leave it bh on twitter at take it leave it bh give us a follow jump into our dms uh any questions comments concerns support hate mail it don't matter we want it all and i'll read some of it if you if you if you send it our way i will read some of it if you got questions i'll answer as many as i can if you got comments i'll try to give my opinion you got hate mail i'll send it right back but send us some It's been a blast. You guys are great. That's all I got. You can take it or leave it. Love y'all. Talk to you next week.